I remember my phone ringing it with the head coach of the first team. I thought, what does he want? Obviously, I thought I'm in trouble. He says, hey, mate, how are you doing? I says, yeah, I'm good. And they said, um, hey, mate, says, you've, been, you've been training really well. Um, we want to negotiate a professional contract with you. From there, I played, made my debut at 17. I had a fantastic debut. I scored like the first touch uh, ball, run on the field. Been in the right place at the right time. Somebody's passed me the ball and I've fallen over the line and scored and I was like... What's going on guys? This video is sponsored by Fireway Pizza. Trust me, I told you I was going to bring you a wicked sponsor. Fireway Pizza. Use code BLUETICK for 20% off your order. What's going on guys and welcome back to the Blue Tick Show. Opposite me today I've got Cruz Liming who plays for Wigan Warriors. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good mate, thanks for having me. Finally got here, I know I was a little late and I apologise but welcome to the show. No, no worries, no worries. It wasn't too bad of a drive anyway so. Yeah. How far was it? Three, three and a half hours. Three and a half hours from Yorkshire. What um, time did you set off? I set off at half past eleven. Long time. Well the other lads set off at half past ten and still got here late. So, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> happened there. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough, at least, at least you got here on time. But listen, Cruz, you've had a bit of an interesting life. Not the easiest, not the hardest, but we're here today to tell the story. Who are you and what's your upbringing like? I'm Cruz Lehman. Um, I have I have had a bit of an interesting life. The more I speak about my life, the more it does seem to be um, different from other people's. Uh, I was born in Swaziland. It's a country in uh, south of Africa. Um it's a landlocked monarchy on its own. It's got its own king. And um, my mum was, my mum is fully African. My dad was fully British. Uh, I was born over there. I stayed over there for three to four years. And then we moved back over here for the opportunity. Um, you know, it's a third world country, Swaziland. Uh, and my mum, my mum and dad thought it'd be a, a good idea to bring me up in England because the opportunities. What was your mum and dad doing? What was, the, what was their line of business? So the, the the way the way it all came about and how I was born over there was uh, my dad was in the army um, for most of his life, and then he came out of the army at 27, 28. Uh, so from school, we're in the army in the paratrooping regiment, and um, he flicked a coin and it were heads or tails whether he were going to go and travel America or he were going to go uh, to Africa and travel Africa. Obviously, it landed on whatever he landed on, and he, he ended up going to Africa. Um, he went there and he were a croupier. For people who don't know what that is, it's like he got a job um, dealing cards in a casino. So the people that deal the cards spin the wheels, they're croupiers. So that, he got a job doing that. Um, he were traveling around Africa and he met my mom uh, doing the same thing. She, 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 she were doing the same thing and they went to travel um, with the skill set that they got from learning how to be croupiers, they went and travelled and did it on cruise ships. So, um, so that's where I was conceived on a cruise ship, and that's where I got my name. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. 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 Nice so, name. so my dad always wanted because of the experience that he had with my mom and the the way that um, the laughter that they had and the memories that they got from from that life. He always wanted when I were born to for him to remind of, of that time that period of, of in his life and um, so he wanted he wanted something to do with the boat um, I think you were going to call me anchor for for a while <laughs> but yes yeah, thankfully he picked cruise and yeah that's that's where I got my name I used to go back every year so 
from four years old when I came over, five, six. I used to go back every year in the six-week holidays um, and see my mum's side of the family. But since since I signed professional at 16, I uh, you struggle to get that amount of time off after uh, in season or after a season. And to be honest, like if you do get that time off, it's the... the the line of work that I'm in, it's, it's a lifestyle. You, you can't just take six weeks off. You, you've still got to train and keep yourself in relatively good shape. You can have a couple of weeks off. Um, but for me to go back and see all my family, I need six weeks. Uh, it's all my mum's side. It's a long it's a long trip to get there. It, um, it's a third world country. Um, there's a lot of poverty. But really rich in, in the values of life, I believe, in respect, um, honesty. Uh, the appreciation that 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 shines through so much. They, they've not got a lot, but the, what they have got, um, they really appreciate. And it's a nice it's a nice place to be, and it was a good place for me to start my upbringing and to go back and see it put things into perspective for me from a really young age um, of what I've got over here and what I moan about over here and what we don't have and we think we should have and we're entitled to to then go back there and you know and to be keep flicking between the two countries at such a young age without my, my mum and dad having to tell me, I saw it for myself, what you know, what I had, and that I should be grateful for the things I've got over here. And then to go back and see my, my family struggling and not, not, have, not have shoes, um, you know, they'd, they'd be wearing the same top, uh, same, same pants every day. Um, but like I said, taught me a lot of lessons in, just because you don't have a lot, the shoes that they did have, the one pair of shoes that they did have were always clean. And they always um, the the tops uh, the the the, uh, the outfit that they'd wear all week would always get washed at the end of the day and then be dry and ready to go the next day. Whereas, um, like I say, the people you know you, you get used to having a, a lot of outfits or whatever, a lot of pairs of shoes, and they're all dirty and you don't look after them. It taught me the the, the valuable lessons of of how to be brought up and. And my mom was really good as well, bringing me up, uh, make, making sure I were respectful and. Um, I think that my upbringing has had a massive part to play in that as well. It's another funny story, really, because I were always pushed into individual sports. I were always played badminton, um, golf, tennis. I were always like my family is an individual sport type of family. They never, they never watched rugby, played rugby, not one of them. Um, and they were all. Uh, my granddad's a really good golfer. He took me golfing uh, from a young age, uh, five, six. I started golfing, and I, I showed some potential in golf. Um, my nan wanted me to play golf, uh, were pushing me into golf. And then obviously all my mates from the area that I was from, because rugby league's so big in, in Yorkshire, uh, and and I lived right next to the rugby rugby league club, still didn't want to really play. And I were, I used to it, go go down to the field and, and practice my golf. It shots off the turf down uh, down on the pitch. And the groundsman come over once, he like, hey boy, he says, uh, stop ripping up my turf. And I said, um, oh no, please, I practice here. It's close to my house. He said, right, I'll do your deal. He says, you come sign on uh, and, play, um, and play a season for us. I'll let you practice down here. And then that were it. I never looked back. I didn't, uh, didn't pick a golf club up then for maybe 10 years. And I've only just started getting back into it like now. But at the time, I loved I loved the team. Because I were always doing individual sports, the things around the team. And, you know, you can't buy that feeling of, you know, playing with your brothers and, um, you know, all, all striving to one goal. It's good, like, the money and stuff like that in individual sports. And I've got mates that are professional golfers that, you know, they love it, but they're always envious of the 
the team ethos and the team camaraderie around that. It's a massive difference when you put it like that, especially being one man. You got a, you've got to turn up every day, whereas when you've got a team, you can rely on your teammates to help you. If you're, it makes a massive difference when you go from being an individual to now you've got a family, like having a whole. You you must see your teammates as a family, no? hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's totally correct. And like you say, you go through the 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 bad things together, and like you, like you do with your family, but. On the other side of the coin, on the other side of the coin, you go through the successes together as well. You could you could win what you want, and obviously it's good. But like a boxer, as soon as he wins a massive fight, he gets his team around him, and, and you go. You can't celebrate success on your own, and you, you've got you know sixteen other lads that have just been through all the hard training for preseason, getting up the early mornings, bashing each other all day, and then you win a trophy at the end of that. It's like wow, and you you all you all have that same high, that same feeling, and I think that's what the best thing about playing a team sport is. And when your family moved back home, your mum and dad come together, right? Yeah. What were they doing in the UK? My dad were a window cleaner. My mum, through my granddad's business, uh, they, they do windows in Yorkshire, and he he always did that. He always had um, the way I used to hear him speak. My dad were like he'd he'd fluttering and out of cleaning windows his brothers did it because that were like the natural path you know the, the my granddad obviously my dad's dad owned the owned the business so then they come in and did that and the way I used to hear about my dad speak about um window cleaning he always had a different ambition he always he always used to f- try summer it won't work it, it, it default back to cleaning windows and he'd be you know you need to get out of this type of thing and then he'd, he'd, he'd try something else didn't work go back to cleaning windows and i think what were some of the things he tried um he tried all sorts he he tried he, he'd try selling cars he were jack the lad he used to he, he were always <laughs> getting people over to africa uh his mates and, and trying to crack something within business that side i was too young to pinpoint everything what I remember try selling motorbikes and stuff like that. Um, I was too young to pinpoint the the journeys he went on, but I could all, what what I took from it is he always had an ambition to do something else apart from window cleaning. And I think that what that's what rubbed off on me because without saying it, um, like when I was growing up, I must have kept saying it to my granddad when I was younger because he just, I must must have seen that and it, it it rubbed off on me. But they were saying that I always used to say I'm never going to clean one window in my life. That's what I used to say when I was younger, and I am. My mum got fed up. My mum got fed up of buying me everything for every different sport, and me saying how much I loved it. And uh, I'd go hockey, and she'd buy me a brand new hockey stick. So I always, she, she'd buy me the, the new the new shoes, everything, and then it'd be, oh, I'm, I'm going to go football, new ball, I need a ball, I need some boots, they'd buy me that. And she got fed up of taking me to different places and buying loads of things, and I think rugby was the one where... She was just like, yeah, all right, you're not getting outbought, but you're just going to need to use whatever you've got. Because I know in three, four weeks, four, two months, you're going you're gonna to change your mind again. And to be honest, I did. I did have a bit of a... I stopped playing for like a couple of months because when it got cold, we played through the winter and I were all right when it, when it were hot. And then as soon as it got cold, I'm not doing this, I'm going to go back play golf. Um, but I soon I soon changed straight away. Soon changed back round and 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 stuck at it and and loved it. Like I say, I missed I missed the once so much the rugby with the friends and my mates and you getting up for summer on a weekend. Even even at that age, you were so, I was so nervous to play at such a young age. 
And I remember like you, you, you just played Sunday or whatever. And then the Monday you'd be at school, you'd be talking about the game. Tuesday, you'd be still living off the back of that last game. Then Wednesday, the nerves would start to build for, for the week, for next next game. And as much as like nobody likes to be nervous, whereas like if all the lads were nervous and talking about the game and you, you want part of that, because I want playing. I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. I wanted to be part of that. I think at a young, like, grassroots level within football, I think rugby, it does it exactly like the, like it is in the professional game at such a young age. And I don't know how, like, at football, I can remember playing football for teams and as soon as you'd finish, you'd all get in your separate cars, walk off the pitch, get in your separate cars and go home. Whereas it's um, compulsory at rugby from from soon as you get in, You've got to all you shower together, and then you've got to all go upstairs, and you've, they put food on for you. So you've got to stay for at least an hour after every game. It's compulsory in in every in in every rugby league team when you're younger. That's you all eat together, pie and um, pie and peas, and uh, or chips or whatever they've put on, and you all sit there from from under nines, under tens. You all sit there, have a laugh. Uh, and then you, your mums, your parents all stay around because you can't drive at the time. And then and then you go home. And I think that's what pulled me towards that. If they did that in football or golf, as soon as you play golf, you don't even see everyone. Like you're coming in, you've played in a competition. I, I might tee off, you know, a later time than you. And once I've done my round, you and you car your home, you're still out playing. So everything else seemed to be, even the team sports like football, it seemed to be individualised. And I liked the... It won't, I wasn't there early on for the game. I was there for the, the crack and the lads after. I've got two younger sisters. It definitely, because I've always, even now, like, my mate um, has just had a baby boy. I'm, atta like, I'm attached to, I I'd always want a baby brother or, you know, an older brother. So somebody there, yeah, and I've never had that. And even I used to, when I was growing up, I didn't so much hang around lads. I had the rugby lads, but I were always with my dad's brothers. They brought me up like I were always with them as well. Like even from being 12, 13, I would be like they'd be they'd all watch football or whatever with the mates. I'd be in that room. I'd be listening to everything they were saying. They didn't treat me like a, a child. They treat me like I was one of the mates type thing. And I've always been brought up around men. Do you know what I mean? So I probably would have. I would have. Uh, that's probably what what uh, attracted me to rugby. Yeah, like you're saying, I've not seen that before. But he passed away. I was eight years old. Um, it's it's weird because at the time I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was downstairs playing on PlayStation and he were upstairs. He had uh, he had throat cancer, and um, I knew he were ill. And I and I remember my mom sitting me down and saying, "Oh, um, your dad's ill." And I just come out with it, and she was like, "Yeah." I said, "He's got cancer, hasn't he?" Eight years old now, and they were like, "She was like, yeah, how do you know? He'd only just been diagnosed." We speak about that now. It's like, how did you know that at the time? I don't know. I just, I must have heard it somewhere or, you know, somebody gets ill and cancer. I must have just heard it. And I was playing on PlayStation downstairs and I can remember like the paramedics coming in and just taking him uh, and, and, he, and, he, and he died and he passed away. And I can, rem I can remember the feelings that I had. It was just total disbelief. Like, it's not true. Like... I wasn't even phased at that point. I can remember I might have finished off my game when I've, so I'd heard the I'd heard the news. Like, oh, he does. I might have finished off playing what I was playing. Like that's how disbelief of my dad, my hero, can't die. He can't. He can't. He can't pass away. So um, he'll come back. 
That that's I can remember thinking that at the time, and it didn't actually hit me. Maybe until maybe two three years later, where I thought I'd have three years without him. I'm like, right, come on now, you're time to come back now. It's and they never do. Um, and I think that's what uh, that's what like was the strange feeling around that time because I can remember like that feeling of it just didn't bother me at all because. I thought, oh, yeah, it's, it's it's not true. Like you see, you see your parents and your dad, especially as as superheroes, don't you? They'll never die. Well, my mom did a really good job. She obviously she had a Swazi upbringing, an African upbringing, um, very strict. Um, and I thank her every day. Like I thank her now because at the time I didn't realize I I, I didn't like her. I didn't get on with her because she she was so strict with me around that time. Uh, my dad passing. I can remember it, it happened to another guy in um, in my school around a similar time, same thing. Uh, and he used to come back and he'd act up and he'd be rude to the teachers and be walking out and and it were like, oh, his dad's just died, so you know, give him that like uh, leeway, that pass. And um, I can remember I thought, oh, I'll have a bit of that. Like I'll uh, I'll start walking out of class and speaking back to people. I don't mind that like bit of attention. I get away with it because my dad's just died because I've seen him get away with it, so it's sweet, do you know what I mean? And I can remember one day my mum just sat me down and she said, there's no way you're acting like that and blaming your dad's name on it. There's no way. And even stuff like my mates would go out drinking or they'd be at a drink in their own house, like the parents would say, oh, you know, you can have a couple of beers, you're 13, 14, as long as I can see you, it's all right. And my mum were like, no way. She went, you can drink when, you can drink when you're 18. Um... And I can remember being at the time like resent like why I'd be sat there there'd be four or five of my mates all having a couple of drinks. The mum said it's all right, so obviously whoever's in the house is looking after you at that time. My mum would say you can let them drink, but crews ain't drinking. Um, and now I look at the lives that they've gone on to have, and the life I've gone on to have. And and I have a drink now, and I, but it were at the right time. There's, there's these laws in place for a reason, and my mum stood and. It didn't matter how much pain I were in, she stuck to her values and stuck to the way she brought me up. And I think that's what I thank her so much for now is how hard would it be to have a child that the dad's just passed away? She's going through all that. I'm, you know, playing up and instead of putting her arms around me and going, oh, don't worry about it. Like she she just kept the, and she she, must, she, loved, she loves me to bits. It was just the tough love of it. And I know how hard that must have been for a parent to then bring bring somebody up with the values of, not killing me with the love that not like oh come here and just making me soft through through that pain that I was going through she she actually toughened me up and got me over it and were like you have to stand up now you have to get over it you have to get on with your life you have to make your dad proud type of thing instead of oh you, you can use him as an excuse to go down a wrong path one thing I gotta say is credit where credit's due to your mum because while she's doing that she's got to sit there and be upset that her husband's passed away as well. As much as it's your dad, it's her husband, it's her yeah. partner. That's her rock. And for a mother to be that strong, credit where credit's due, man. You've got a, a solid mum there to support you for everything. And having that by your side, that's that's the best thing in the world. She's now mum and dad in your life. And that's untouchable because you get so many mums where some, someone passes away, they turn around and they just... Just they're there for him, like you said, hugging him. Everything's gonna be okay. He, he, we'll give you what you want. Presents, I get you presents. Whatever you want, yeah. I get you it. Yeah, yeah. She done the complete opposite. She, it was more shut up. You're gonna man up. And that that now back then, like you said, you was probably resenting her for it, but now you turn around and you respect her for it because she showed you 
that you don't need to become a little boy because of it. You you are a man. You got to now wear his shoes, and you have. Listen, you've smashed it. You're now doing very well for yourself, and I can tell when you talk about your mum, you love her to bits, and I can tell your dad going was broke your heart, shattered you, and now you're living your life to impress him. And and look, listen, you're here today telling your story, and I respect it. I respect it. That's why we got you on the podcast. I normally interview criminals, gangsters, ex-gangsters. And Grace sent me over your thing and I was like, yeah, we need him. I like that story. It's it's there's, it's heartwarming to it. It's not just, you're not coming on trying to say, yeah, you know, my dad passed and I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It's not. You're actually upset what has happened. You, turned your, you didn't turn your life around, but you're better in your life because of that. And I respect it. And listen, you're doing well in your career. Talk to us a little bit about the positives now. Let's jump into that. I, negatives there, let's turn it all into positive now. Talk to us about... From set from sixteen years old, when you become pro, what changed? There were a, the, the the way I got pushed into like it were it was a total opposite way of normal you know athletes that come up and the parents like like we were saying before like my mum had, had had enough of like buying me buying me certain things to go to so it were like I were on my own and my mum's massive in education so but to come from. Um, a country like Swaziland that you've got to pay for every day you're at school you've got to pay so if there's no free education over there um, so when the kids go they can't wait to go to school like cause they might only be able to afford to go once a week or once every two weeks and that day is like they're gonna learn they get to go in the uh, uniform and they love school like that was something that when, when I was flicking between the two countries obviously I'm at school every day and when you're young you're like oh, I hate school I hate it and then I'd go over there and they couldn't wait to go. And that were another spin on it that put a different perspective on, on school. And my mum used to say, I can remember her, like people would get expelled or uh, children wouldn't, wouldn't turn up. And um, she used to say, I can't get my head around this, this thing cruise in England that the schooling's free and they choose not to take advantage of it. She just, she just could never get her head, her head around it. And like, when she came over, she, she went and did a master's and she's a very intelligent woman. Now she owns a couple of businesses and we went through like, when my dad passed and you know, the income dropped, we went through a tough period there where she was having to feed three mouths on one income and working a lot and having babies and not being home and try to juggle that, paying for a mortgage were, were tough. and went through a little bit of a tough period there and she went and on top of that she went and got a master's um and i think she's got a doctorate now i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure uh in education and she went and did that so obviously me coming through at 16 the natural thing that my mum's fed into me is obviously this schooling this life of going to uni um then then moving on and going down down that route that would just like it were because of the conversation we've had around school and education it was just a given, like that's what to do that's that. what we're doing. And obviously for me then at 16, to turn round and be like, it's like telling your mom, or maybe at 15, as I'm starting to leave school, what what you know, what uni do you want to go to? And I'm like, I'm not no gonna idea. go. And she was like, what? It were like, it were like I'd, it were like I'd turned on her, do you know what I mean? Disrespected it, just, in it, some yeah, sense. it were like, we spoke about this. And, um, and it's like, I say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a professional rugby player. And it's like, it's almost like telling your mom you're gonna be a magician. They're like, what's the odds on this? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. to, to be fair to her, like, it's right. That's probably what I'd say to my son. It's like, what are the odds of you making it as a professional athlete? 
It's like, no, no, you, you, you've got... And I said, Mom, I'm not. I'm, not. I'm, I'm going I'm to go into an academy. Um, so the academy runs from 16 to 19, and then I'm going to do that three years, and then it's like, in that three years, you get signed. You get signed at 16, you get signed at 17, you get signed at 18, or you run it into your last year, you get signed at 19. Some people drop out then and then go play amateur and get picked up that way. So I said, I'm going to go three years, give me three years, and if I don't make it in three years, if I don't get a prof professional contract... Um, I'll go to education, but you won't be going back. Like once, once you, you're out with your education, it's hard to go back after three years. And we had like a massive, but yeah, disagreement. But it was my life, and she didn't back me. She didn't like right. All right, it's your decision. Go for it. I'm going to back it. Want that? It will. You're on your own then. I'm going to help you through this education, and I'll help you do it that way. Or you go this way, and you're on your own. You've got to make it work. Sweet. So I remember I I played. Uh, my 16 last year in uh, amateur got signed at Uddisfield, went to went to went to the academy at Uddisfield, then then went to Warrington for a year, um, signed at academy there, so still never a professional deal, and then fr from the Warrington I, I got play, uh, picked to play for England, so I thought I'm on my way here, and then the next step then once you play for England, all the top players that play for England I played really well, get signed then. Uh, or get a load of options. You're definitely going to get signed by your 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 club that you're with, like Warrington that I was with at the time. I would definitely like to me. That's I would standard. that was standard. I will. I, I was thinking right. I've played for England. I'm in shop window. Let me have a look at my options. I want to see how much <laughs> money I can get. You know, at a young age. I played for England uh, mid-season or whatever in France. I've played and um, my shoulder came out and uh, I had my three quarter labrum tear and I had to have an operation at 16, 17. And uh, still sweet, I, I've played played like the test, the full test, it happened in the last game, played really well. Oh, I'm, I'm, and you I, played good though, yeah? I played really well. And I was good like, um, teams raving about me, all this. So I was sweet, it didn't, didn't matter to me. I was like, right, let me see. Come to the negotiations, I've gone in with my agent, like you know, we're talking about like, all oh, right, right. These will offer this, and then you'll get more if you can bat with this team or whatever. Got into a meeting, and they went. <laughs> got into a meeting, and they went. I cruise a um, bit of bad news. I says, yeah. I'm thinking bad news. I thought, what little bit of bad news can they be here? Uh, and obviously, I'd not played the season because of my shoulder. And they said, um, we're not going to offer you a contract. We're not going to sign you. And I were like. What do you mean? And they were like, "Yeah, we're just gonna go with somebody else." Or I can't remember how the conversation went after that. I can just remember hearing that and like zoning out, thinking, yeah. "Oh God, everything else just kind of black." Yeah, I thought, "Oh no." And obviously, I've come out. My agent's been like, "Don't worry, uh, you know, you, you'll get another club. Like, don't worry about it." I can remember like looking round, and all the other clubs were coming back saying, "Oh, we thought he were definitely gonna sign there, so we filled that spot." And we were like, I was like, oh no. And all the Super League clubs, um, so to, like the Premier League clubs, had all, fa you know, um, finished kind fi of. Like they'd all got the spots sewn up. So then I'm looking at like signing for a, um, a, a championship club, having just played for England at a young age. And I was like, I was so close to signing for this championship club. And then Huddersfield, the guy who'd watched me play down at Siddle when I was younger, and rang me and said, What's going on? I thought you'd be signing at Warrington. And I says, mate, since I've done my shoulder, I explained the, the thing, the story, and he said, come over to Woodysfield uh, and play for us. And they were obviously in, in the top league at the time. So I says, right, brilliant. And how it all worked out 
were perfect because they won. They, they were they were a good team. What do you feel like they got there? They won. They won the league that year um, or the year after I got there. But it were like in my position, the pathway were easier than the big clubs like Warrington, these big clubs that spend loads of money. Yeah. The pathway would have been harder for me to get into the first team because of the players that they've got, they're just buying from all over the place, Australia, everywhere, do you know what I mean? Because they've got the money. Whereas Huddersfield didn't have that type of money, but they were still doing well with the team they had and they wanted to bring the homegrown players through. And um, I started to like get scared then. Because I thought my mom, I thought my mom could be right here. That scared me. That everything was, I was going really well, but then, so I, I like half limped into like a, a uni and were like, oh, can I uh, like a sixth form? I was like, oh, can I come and this is rubbish? Like, oh, you tried to go back to education? Yeah, yeah, just like, like a couple, a of, yeah, just a couple of because I thought oh, I need something else. Here. My mom could be right. <laughs> And I can remember I were in there for maybe two months, uh, maybe three days a week or whatever. When I want training, I could go and. Uh, I can't even remember what I was studying, but I, I, won't leave, I was just in there like this. I remember my phone ringing it with the head coach of the first team. Um, I thought, what does he want? Obviously, I thought I'm in trouble because he wants obviously my coach because you're in the academy, you're yeah. in the thingy system. And the head coach of the team, like, you know, Sir Alex it's Ferguson ringing, ringing like, yeah, ringing, ringing like a. And I said, hello. He says, hi, mate, how are you doing? I says, yeah, I'm good. I've walked straight out of class. I didn't even, I just walked out because <laughs> I was my phone ring. I just walked out and they're like, where are you going? I walked out and I answered it. And they said, um, I says, hey, mate, says, you've, been, you've been training really well. Um, we want to negotiate a professional contract with you. And I was like, wow, man. I said, serious? I went, he went, yeah, yeah, um, you've trained really well. We want you to play for us uh, in a friendly, see how you go. But we want to get the, the, before you play, we want to get the professional contract sorted out. Who's your agent? And I were, I were absolutely buzzing. I thought, yes, three-year deal. Um, so it took me till I'm 19. And uh, I didn't even go back in and get my bag. I just left the the, the, uh, the, the sixth form. I would have done the same. I, I, just, let, I just walked and I never, <laughs> yeah, I never, I never stepped uh, foot back in there again. And then, guys, have you been thinking of move to Dubai? I've partnered up with Cranbrook Legal to make your experience so much easier. Literally, I got the main man from Cranbrook Legal right now to tell you how easy it is. Guys, it's as simple as picking up the phone, giving us a call and letting us get on with the business. What, literally one phone call? Literally one phone call, a few documents and we're there. And then I just get up, fly to Dubai, and I ain't got to pay tax no more. Yeah, you can come and see us. We'll take you out for a meal, show you Dubai, and then it's all up to you after that. Bro, where do I sign now? From there, um, I played, made my debut um, at 17, just after my birthday. Is that young? Yeah, young, that is yeah. young yeah. very young. Very young. Um, I think I might have been the, one of the youngest to make my debut for Huddersfield Giants at the time. That, that's who I was playing with. Made my debut at 17. My mum's, because obviously you make your debut and you're in and out of team, you, you're getting through injury, somebody's been injured or whatever. I had a fantastic debut. I scored like the first touch of uh, ball, run on the field, been in the right place at the right time. Somebody's passed me the ball and I've fallen up the line and scored. And I was like, I was just I like that to the crowd. <laughs> and I thought, wow, like I could see my family. Just a dream. Um, and then it's and then it's backing it up like you've reached I reached my mountain there, and then you end up like you, you come back down to earth like I say, you, you live on back of that game for two three days and then it's like, right I've got to go again now, I've got to back back it up and um, I got in a couple of games that year through through uh, injuries again, uh, did really well played well, 
Um, but obviously the senior blokes will always get the, the nod over, you know, I, I was just a backup type of thing. And then I ended up, I ended up like cementing myself in Super League at maybe 19, like playing, like I was, you know, I, it won't, uh, my family won't ringing me of, are you playing this week? It were like, who are you playing this yeah, week? Do you know what I mean? They, 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 I'd got to that stage at Huddersfield and um, nineteen twenty, and I started to really find my feet there. I spent uh, nine, uh, spent eight years at Huddersfield there, um, and then I went. It's a long to, time, right? Yeah, it's a long time, a long time. Uh, really good, fond memories. Really good people. And then the opportunity come uh, to go to Leeds Rhinos, and Leeds Rhinos at the time had just come off winning like treble. Um, they were a massive club, like it's a huge, well-known club is Leeds, and uh, the fans there, it's always a packed house. Even for, for me to go and play against them there, it's one of the best places to go, and the fans are against you. So I thought the chance of being able to play in that system um, with that with a club with such rich rich history, um, I, I snapped the hand off and went and signed there, and I was there for four years, and... Um, in my third year, just back into my third year, again, um, did really well. Went got a bad knee injury, so stayed out for a little bit. But did really well. Played for them. We won won a Challenge Cup. We were talking about earlier of the camaraderie of um, the lads, and that was unbelievable. And it were in COVID as well, so we played at Wembley. Oh yeah, during COVID. During was COVID, it? there was no crowd. My family couldn't even go there and watch it. Weird thing about it playing were. Obviously, the commentators and stuff are still there, and you could hear the commentators shout, you know, talking in the box as you're playing. Obviously, you can never normally hear them, and it were really surreal. But and probably more the adrenaline that you're speaking about. I probably had more of that because it were like you could hear everything and people talk. There were no like there were no like white noise or just crowd like blocking everything out. You could hear everything. Um, people running and you know screaming or what you could hear it all saying you know oh, he's, he's knackered get at him get at him normally you can't hear that and you're thinking oh no they're coming at me yeah. um but yeah uh, the adrenaline there were loads of adrenaline around it um and it were it were a surreal time to play but we, we played at Wembley no crowd won the cup um and like I say that what you've been working for 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 all all your life and you see people do it and you're just like, wow, like that feeling. That's the feeling that I think people, um, athletes in general, will miss. Like there's no the, the there's no artificial thing you can do that can give you that feeling, uh, you know, for that you, when you've worked so hard to get there and then you end up winning with all your mates. That's why I think athletes go the other way, like when they stop playing because they're searching for that and they either search for it through drugs, um, alcohol, um, you know, adrenaline, like doing things that high, get your adrenaline going in, in the wrong way. I think that's why they struggle. But so I went to Leeds, I won the cup. Um, and then I got made captain that next year. A young cap, I were a young captain at Leeds, obviously, such a massive club. Um, that were another massive achievement for me. She's she's on board now, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's on board now. Like even the hoodies feel she didn't really come to the games. Still a little bit, because she still saw it. Even like she still saw it as me playing down at Siddle. Like she didn't realise how big it were, um, and she didn't come. But then when I went to Leeds, um, I, I could get her up like upstairs in like a box. 
um, and she loves like uh, uh, <laughs> although like she's come from Swaziland that's her, so she likes her nice things in life and she's like oh, I'll only come watch if she's warm and she's sat in a box but yeah and she she absolutely loves it now really does like she almost like she, she thought I was going to fail and the way I stuck at it with no help from any of my family there was nobody that had paved the way for me before that I could see doing it there was nobody that you know there's nobody around by my area that's become a professional and then for me to stick at it then to break through and become a professional she I think she admires the the strength that she taught me but to stick to what I know I can do or what I know is right lifestyle yeah you, you you ain't got time to go out and meet women you ain't got time for anything even your friends if they're not involved in the game you ain't got friends yeah your teammates are now your best mates yeah and what was that like where most of your friends were probably out partying going out having fun going to the club you can't really do that you've got a train every day yeah it, um or would you still out <laughs> <laughs> no uh, i did i went through like uh, and i'm i'm going through it again now but like you go through some lonely times to become successful you've got to do it you've got to have you've got to have um a period of saying no to things that make you feel good at that time even like going out and having a drink with lads is is, is it's awesome you have such a good time and you come back off a night out you've, you've been out with your mates you've had you've had a good crack and then to say the next week they're like, well, let's do it again, and you know that you're going to have just as good a time as you, and you've got to say no to things that actually make you happy to get to where you want to get to, and go do something that's horrible and running a ten k on a road in, in in snow, and they're all out all, all out drinking. Yeah, it makes a massive difference, but no disrespect to any of your friends, but that's why you're in the position you're in today, because you are dedicated to the game, and if I don't know what your friends do, but. If they're dedicated to it, they're probably very successful too. But turning around and saying no to things is what makes you better. Yeah. If you was out partying every weekend, I'm sure you wouldn't be as good as rugby as you are. It makes a difference. But as your life has got better and better and better, there must have been struggles. There must have been times where you do miss your dad. You turn around and think, you know what, like, I wish I could share these achievements with him. Do you have them kind of thoughts? Yeah, the the thing that used to really get me as I as I was growing up was there were two things. There were one where I'd see like the dad bringing the lads to training, or the dad being the first one on the pitch, the, the side of the pitch to go and you know uh, cuddle or congratulate them, and that really like hit me because I was like I'd just be stood there like my uncles would come and watch. They took over the role of uh, you know being there and watch. Obviously, my mom didn't. Didn't yeah, didn't like it for the start for the start. So my mom were never there, but um, the my uncles used to go. Uh, that used to get me. And the second thing is where you're at school or you know you're in teams and the, the lads would say, "Oh, my dad's doing it, and I hate my dad." Or stuff. And I could I, I remember hearing that and think, you don't know. Like I wish I could say that. I wish I could say, "Oh, my dad's doing my editing or whatever." Do you know what I mean? And that's what that's what got me. And there is, there is struggles, but I think. As strange as this may sound, I've said this before, and I stick to, I stick by what I say. Um, and every time I say it, it does sound really strange. But my dad passing away for me could have been the best thing that that's happened to me. Why do you say that? As in, it makes I more sense in your head than anyone. Yeah, I go through life now, and like you say, there are struggles. There's breakups. There's people die. There's 
the contract talks, these going, you know, you, you you're coming off um, a really good season. The hate that you're getting off people, people are talking about you. There's nothing that I can go through now that that yeah. that's as hard as that losing my dad. And that's and that's why I think it's made me almost unbreakable now because there's nothing that can that can hurt Easy. me like that. And I think to go through life having that um, perception of yourself, wh- whether it be true or not, that's what I believe. It makes you it makes you a force then to be reckoned with because like these things that come at me, the struggles that we talk about, the me staying in and not going out, it's tougher. That it's like, is it that tough really when I've gone through that? So it's almost made me, like I say, unbreakable type of thing. I've signed at Wigan Warriors, um, an, an, another great club. Uh, I've got four years there. I want to tick off. Question for you before we obviously talk about that. I've always wondered, yeah, your your last team you was with Leeds, right? For four years, is it hard to leave? The last team we spoke about yeah, yeah, was yeah, yeah, last yeah, team yeah. we spoke about was yeah. Leeds, right? You yeah. was with them for four years. How do you? Obviously, there's loyalty, right? What makes you leave? Money, or is it just end a contract? They don't want like what actually? Because to me, the way I see it, if you're with a team, is there like an attachment, or is it does everyone know? Cool, you're here for this more time, keep it moving after. Well, for me, um, I left Leeds and went to Gold Coast, and the NRL, like it's the same, same game, it's just it's it's just seen as um, a good opportunity to go, like you're in a massive shop window over there. And I think, like you say, that it is tough to leave the the team, um, the fans, where you've had such fond memories. But I think in in like everything as well, like in everyday life, people that work jobs, uh, you know, selling cars or whatever. If you stay in the same place for so long, I feel like I become stagnant, and I get that sense of comfort, and you know, I'm I'm relaxed. I know I'm playing every week. I'm the captain there. And my performances then start to go like that. And when I got the opportunity to go um, drop myself in Australia uh, in a team that were unfamiliar, in a league that I didn't know anybody in, um, with nobody, you know, nobody, none of my friends, none of the niceties, none of the comforts of going and seeing my mom or having a bad day at training and going to, to see the lads, I could deal with it on my own. Um I think I, I grew doing that and I think it was the right decision for me to go. That, that I think, was the reason. And, like you say, the loyalty to the lads, they all know, like, they want you... Because we become so close, it, obviously we're there to play a game and, and um, you know, it's really important to us. That's what's made us so close. But they want you to be a better person and if that's going and, and having a different challenge and going through somewhere else, then they, they say, go take that opportunity. It were it were great. I, I really loved, I really enjoyed it. I was there for six months, so I got there halfway through season, um, and I was there for six months, uh, ran the season out, and then uh, came home. The, the The hardest thing for me were when I made my debut. Like the, the the things in in rugby, you've got to. I like to try and sit in that moment. The debuts, the cup wins, the good the good derby wins. You know, full house. You've played well. Um, Try just soak it in because I know, like, from listening to past players, that's one thing that they wish every past player that speaks is I wish I'd have just enjoyed that moment a little bit more. 
note that can compare to it, note that can give you that feeling again. But obviously, like I made my debut out there, and the thing that were tough is all the lads. Then when uh, we won, and all the lads like going to the crowd, then see the family, and I was just stood there. I had nobody to go and see, nobody to. Obviously, you can FaceTime them, um, and the time difference were tough. With if something happens or something's funny, because uh, the twelve hours. Um, or nine hours, sorry, in front. You've got to, you can't just pick the phone up and go, oh, this has just happened. You've got to wait for nine hours until they wake up over here. It's done, it's not funny anymore. It's done, or the, 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 moment's gone. the moment's gone. So I found that tough, but speaking about Australia as what it did for me as a person, um, and it, it ties into a little bit of what's what's next for me away from rugby. It made me realise more so like the path you've got to go down to be successful and to to grow as a person is not a path that not a lot of people want to go down so that's why you see people um one day and then you see them 10 years later and they're the exact same that the life's not improved whatsoever it's because to step out of your comfort zone to get on a flight when you're captain of a club uh, everything's going well You've just captained them to a grand final. We lost it. We lost it uh, in in final. Captained a, t- a club to a grand final. Why leave? Well, it's because for me to grow, I need to go, uh, and I have grown from going there. It were a good. It were a good decision. Um, people don't want to step outside that comfort zone, and uh, I've noticed that more recently. The thing I'm going through at the minute, um, I you know I've, I had my mates back home, and it's like it's about getting out of your comfort zone. I want to go down a route of business. I want to, I've got some things I want to achieve in rugby league where I need to really, you know, focus my time into getting even better than one percenters in rugby league that I've not, I can still become a better player and that's what I really want to focus on. And when you've got distractions pulling you uh, either, either way, it's hard to stay on that, on that path. And it's about stepping out of that circle because you, they say you're some of the five friends, you know, that you spend the most time with. And I was looking round. I was looking round at, at the, the friends, you know, the great lads, the good guys. But do they have the house I want? No. Do they have the car I want? No. Do they have the relationship that I want? No. Do they have the body that I want? Do they have the lifestyle that the discipline that I want to take from? And then that's fine as well. That that's that's okay. You know, they're, they're doing well in, in their life. But it's not what I want for me. I want I, I want to go and yeah. test myself. So. It's it's then if in ten years time if I don't achieve what I want to achieve and I stay around the same circles, it's almost like what were you expecting? I've only got myself to blame, Um, and that goes on to what me and my friend, uh, one of my mates, he he does he he does see life the way I see. He does want to improve every you know every day. He does want to be a good partner um, to his missus. He's just had a a baby. He he does want to be a good father. and everything around that, what what he can do to become better, that's what I'll help him with, he'll help me with. And what I notice, like, when you're spending time with people that are not down this path of, of becoming better every day and improving, if it's one thing that, you know, you do everything right in your life, but you don't drink water or whatever it may be, um, you don't you don't get up early enough or whatever it is, and then to just keep improving, keep getting that 1% better. If you sit down with people in, uh, that are not on that, path and not they're in the circle that I were in before and you have these conversations with them it's almost like sure what are you talking about let's talk about going out and drinking or let's talk about you know girls or whatever and it's like 
Right, that, you know, I love a drink. Uh, I do like going out and spending time with women and stuff like that, but it's a, it's, a, it's a tiny portion of my life now. It's becoming, it's now about building a life for my family and my sisters and, you know, being proud of not wasting my time type of thing. And this is, we, we've come up with a, a, a brand, a business. It's, it's not monetary as of yet. Uh, and I don't want it to be. It was because of me and him, like we've seen, it's called Soka. And um, it's on my socials. And it's like, me and my mate have started this together and it were like, the more, especially when you're up at five in the morning running 10Ks and I'm running from the 10K, I'm running to the front door of a gym and then you go into a gym, you're doing a gym session at six. You're seeing people that are there every day and then you start to speak to them and it starts to be doctors and lawyers and successful people are all up doing, you, you feel like, oh, the first time you get up at five o'clock and run a 10K, you feel like the only person in the world to ever do it. And then you actually, you're going into gyms at these times and it's full. And nine times out of 10, these people are all successful people. They're all getting stuff done. And the more I talk about this circle of, um, you know, going to a different circle and talking about different things and not like having mind numbing conversations about drinking and stuff like that. When you speak to somebody that is on that path that you might not have known, their eyes, they light up. They're like, wow, I'm going through the exact same thing, bro. I, I'm I'm going through the exact same thing, and they want somebody to speak about. Luckily, I've got my friend that's on that path. We train together. He does a different. He, he's in a different line of work, um, but he's he's got a different challenge with the baby that I that I ain't got as well. So we're helping each other in different ways, and uh, it's called Soaker, and it's Season of Constant Achievement. That's what it stands for, and it's just about like I say, getting better and better. And we want to make a community where an Instagram or, you know, where people can just come and sit and have a chat and talk about their ambitions and not get laughed at. Yeah. We, we, we do want to make a culture around where we're putting as diets on there, we're putting what we eat on there. It doesn't have to be physical, we're putting business ideas or whatever and they can look through this and it just gives them, what we're trying to create is that circle. Before you make it, there's a circle there, there's a circle of people that you've had to leave behind and then that gap in the middle is such a lonely place to be yeah. where you can't have the conversation. That's why, some people step out of it and then go, don't feel great, this, and come and go back to that. So it's like, we're giving you that little bit of a platform to stand with us and then get to where you need to get to and follow your dreams. Um, so yeah, that, that's what that's what I'm doing. And I just want it to, to help people. My mom, um, she looks after an old woman uh, and this, this basically epitomizes the brand and Ahsoka member. She looks after an old woman and this woman's 93. Um, and she's she's on this village and she can't walk really well because her feet are so sore. And um, she gets up and she, my mum has to say, relax, like, chill out. Uh, but when my mum goes, she bakes cakes for the whole, for the village. And these cakes are meant to be unbelievable. This 93-year-old woman, she's still trying to do something to better. She's still at 93 where she could just chill and relax and she's still trying to help people or get better in what she does, bake a better cake. And this is what this is what I mean about constantly trying to just be better. And that's what epitomizes the brand that we're making, you know, and like we're, we're all wear the same t-shirts, the same clothes, we're all training the same soaker gear. Um, and obviously when somebody wants to come and get involved, they'll get, they'll get the gear and it's part of like a uniform, part of a community. That's what we're trying to create. So that's the next bit of um, adventure I'm on. And how do people join this? 
First of all, they'd follow they'd follow the Instagram. Um, they'd get in touch with us through through the socials, speak to us, and we'd give them like the ear that they need, the helping hand. Whether it's I'm really trying to get. I think like between us, we've got a lot of things covered within um, fitness. But then obviously like business, if millionaires want to come and just join, just be around us, like or or speak to us on the chat, and we'll slowly start to get a group and we we'll might we might make a whatsapp group with everyone in and it puts like you know your quotes in there what people are eating just little achievements and then that rubs off and then you end up like you say some of the five people you spend time with you spend time with millionaires and athletes and you you know or people trying to get better for them people that are going out then they end up getting to where they want to get to and i think that's what i'm trying to create so it's not some you know if they say to me can, can i come and train with you no matter who it is they come and do my session and, and train with me. That and that's what I'm trying to create of surrounding yourself it's with success. Yeah, that's it. And success create you know um, a pool for people that are on this lonely journey of success and trying to get to where they want to get to. And we say we're going through the same thing. If you want me to tell you where you're going to be in ten years, show me your five friends. It's that type of thing. Um, and that's what the, it's right. We're just trying to create. And, and like saying about lads, what they talk about, the majority, it's fine to talk about women and going out and girls and stuff, but just make it, because what ends up happening is you talk about that all the time. What ends, you end up, you end up sleeping with fit girls. Yeah. You end up going to the best bars. You end Spend up succeeding in that because that's all you talk about. And it, it, it happens both ways. It's what do you want to succeed in? Spending loads of money on nights out on girls you're never going to see again. Because if that's all you talk about, that's what will happen. Or do you want to speak about business and bettering your life and being healthy and, and training? And then to have look look back on it and have something to say, you know, to, to, my, to my children or whatever. Like, that's what I did with my life. That's, that's the best way to to be a role model. My mum were out there grafting and working and, and then it's rubbed off on me. She didn't have to really say much. Whereas if, if I at home and I'm slobbing around and then I say to my son, oh, you need to get a job. He's like, dad, you, you don't, you, you, you aren't doing it. So, and my sisters are a big thing, like just to be a role model for them, um, you know, and it, it goes into everything. If I'm a good man, it, it, it ends up going into like when they're finding boyfriends and they're getting to an age where hopefully they've seen what a man should be and then I don't have to say, don't get with that guy, you know, don't get with that guy. It's like, oh, I don't have to say that because they've seen what a good role model is, they've seen what a good man is and then they're trying to find that in in, in their boyfriend type of thing. Do you know what I mean? So it, it betters their life in a different, even like the butterfly effect without me realising, me living a good life and trying to better myself ends up downline my sister's not in an abusive relationship or she looks after herself or she goes to gym, do you know what I mean? Like say, it's not, I'm not doing it for money, it's free. For if they wanna rub shoulders with, and it's for me as well, like, if I've got people on the way up striving, I've got people who are at the top that are lonely at the top, that are, that are in the community, they're trying to stay there, then there's me. Like, I'm, again, I'm spending time with people that all, all we're talking about is how to get better. And I'm spending time with millionaires. A millionaire might come to train with me and I'm like, like, say, how do I become, what? I'm having them conversations that that guy was saying that you should be having. Like, how do I make money this way? And then, I'm, it's not just for them. Like, I don't want them to see it as like, oh, they're getting something from me. I want to surround myself. That's why I, it, it started because I knew by the way people's eyes lit up in gyms and the way I felt when I came back from Oz and I, did, I wanted to better my life, how lonely that path is. That's what I want to create for it's for me as well as it is for them. You know, they can just, we can all go in the direction together. Is it worldwide? 
can be, yeah. It's gonna, it, that's it, the goal, right? Yeah, it's got, yeah, that is the goal, yeah. And if you had that group when you went to Australia, your life would have been different, right? Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. Exactly. You probably would have, you might have tried staying there for longer. If you knew you had friends out there who are part of this community, you could put in there, hey guys, who wants to meet up? You exactly. would have had a group of friends that were in a different country. Yeah. I think, it, no, listen, it is great, and I hope it does succeed for you. But apart from business, what is your five-year plan? How uh, old are you now? I'm 28. 28, so 33, where do you want to be? 33, I want to be in a position. Quick maths. I was thinking that as well, quick <laughs> <laughs> 33, I want to be in a position. I'll be coming to end of my rugby league career. Um, not the end, but, you know, I'm, I'm in How the, long I'm does a rugby... How long does it usually last? Well, there's last? people play till 38. Um, but at 33, I want to be at the top of my game and I want to be... Have everything on my terms. Whether I'm not playing on because I need, I need that bit of cash there. I'm, or I'm slipping down the leagues and, and playing just for a bit of money or I'm playing because of the love of the sport the reason why I'm playing now and the reason uh, why I started playing and I'm not doing it for reasons where I can look back and think that wasn't me there and I think that for, for, for the plan you're asked the question is I want to be in a position where everything's on my terms rugby league wise and have little things going within business um, which I'm learning and I'm starting to evolve as I get older because that is a massive thing that scares me as well is the players that I've seen that are unbelievable like global stars like unbelievable players and the rugby league is their identity but that is it, I, I play rugby league it, it, I'm not rugby league do you know what I mean it's part of me but I, it's not the whole of me and I think what players suffer from mad, massive depression because like they've got no other goals they've reached the mountaintop and instead of having one mountain over here right that's my rugby league mountain I've done that I've, I've been successful come down the other side let's climb another mountain whether it be business whether it be health something else it's like they only have one mountain in sight and as soon as they come down off that it's just a very very slippery slope and you, you see a player that were a great and then I speak to him three years after they retire He's done, and they're just—they're a shadow of the former selves. The, 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 it's almost like they'd have been better off just never being a rugby player and just getting a normal, you know, a normal like type of life. Because the the fall is—it it cripples, it kills people. They're trying to live in the shadow of being that that guy still. Yeah, and I think, especially what the thing is—the high, like you said originally, people do turn to drugs because of that high they had. When you're winning tournaments, when you're up there, you're buzzing and all of that. And it all stops. It's like, oh, is my life over? Is it like, am I done? That's it. It is. It's like, like you say, it's their life then, because they've got no else. It's like, what am I living for now? Uh, you know, nobody knows my name anymore. You, you know, within sport, the the players that get talked about, the ones that are playing there, and then no matter what you've done for the game, or you know, as soon as you're gone, within a year, year and a half, people, you know, kids are coming through. I remember coming through and. and Older players were like, oh, I remember that player. I'm like, who is that? I don't know. And they're like, how do you not know? It's like, I'm watching the players that are playing. Now, you you know, you're not seeing. And as a young lad, when somebody turns around and goes, oh, there's Cruz, he used to play at Wigan. As a young lad, like, do you mean he used to? He can't even run anymore. So I don't even want to know who he is. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah, fine. Man, I know that's coming. That's the sport that I'm in. And I just don't want it to catch me off guard. Well, listen, I think your, your head's in the right place as well. I don't think you're you're not stupid. You know what you're doing. You, you're setting stuff up in in plan to make sure that that don't happen and all I can do is wish you the best that's all really like I listen I hope you do smash it in outside of rugby as well 
Because like you said, you said one important thing, rugby isn't you, you play rugby. Yeah. Most people who do that, they're the complete opposite. And I think that is why your life after rugby will probably be a lot more successful than others. Because other people live it for rugby. Yeah. yeah. Or even down to footballers, they, they play their career and then when, when they get old, they're like, oh shit, what just happened? And then you hear of them, half of them have gone broke. Half of them have turned to drugs because all they do is chase that. They forget that. When I get to a certain age, I've got to retire. Yeah. I'm not as fit as I was anymore. I can't be running, chasing the ball at 60 years old. Like, there's yeah. more to life. Yeah. They, like, you've got 40 years to make as much money as you can and live your best life. But after that, what happens? Exactly. You need to have a backup plan. And you're already setting stuff in position now, which I respect. Most people don't do that. Cruz, if you want to tell any of the younger generation, talk to them. They're yours. Tell them what you tell them. Give them a bit of advice from yourself. The advice, the advice I'd give um, a younger generation is, I feel like what's got me further in life, and obviously the talents that I've got um, has helped. But I think being a good person goes a long way. I think um, people, even now, salesmen, um, teammates, it's always easier to work or you know want to go out on a field and put you, you die for a player when you know he's deep down he's a good person. He might be saying the right things, and if if you know he's, he's not a good person, it's hard to relate. And I think even through business, I think if you are a good person, it's very rare I've seen really good people struggle in life because a people want to help you genuinely help you not just say they're helping you as well because they want to genuinely make your life better um and you, you get help from others and i think being respectful um is, is undervalued now keeping your word and say when you say you're going to do something do it is undervalued and i think if you you're a younger generation and you can come through and simple things of work hard keep your word when you say you're going to do something do it not oh yeah i said i'm going to do it but I were in bed, I couldn't get up. That is such a little thing, but people now that have tried to help you, it can only take one, oh, I'm meant to be there at that time. And I said I was going to be there at that time. I give you my word, and then I couldn't bother. It don't matter. Your word is 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 very important, and I think you should see it as a massive thing. When you say you're going to do something, do it. So I'd say hard work, keeping your word, um, and being a good person, just doing your best to be a good person you're not going to always get it right you're going to piss people off you're going to wind people up you're going to you're going to say things you didn't mean to say but if you genuinely 90 percent of the time a really good person people will get over it um and you'll go, you'll live a good life 100 percent. i agree with everything you said is there anything else you want to touch on today good well listen pleasure having you on the show good luck after rugby as well and keep smashing it now thank you guys make sure you like comment subscribe and we we'll see you in the next one